Okay, let's get straight into our thinking point. Uh, let's speak to Carol Payton. She's the editor at large for uh, the Business Day. And we're speaking uh, particularly to Car- Carol about her latest uh, piece. Carol, good morning to you. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning to the listeners. So it was very interesting to me earlier on this week, reading the piece that you had penned together, uh, and, and you titled it Pravin Gordon's Breathtaking Manipulation of Treasury over SAA. Uh, perhaps your own reflections and what has gone into this piece, Carol? Yeah, you know, I watched this. I've been, I report on SAA. I have been reporting on it, you know, before the business rescue happened. But mm. I watched the business rescue process very closely, and what was striking about it was that was that the money that was was then that had to then be put out of the budget, taken out of the budget to put into SAA, was never something that was discussed in the budget. It was never something that was discussed in the budget committees. It was never something that was that was budgeted for. Instead, what what happened all along the way was that Minister Pravin Gordon. Um, I would say manipulate because would make these very last minute um, crisis kind of requests for money for SAA and 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 the cabinet would be left with no choice but to but to stump up. So I think that for me it's been a dishonest process because if he had said right at the beginning, you know, this is what we're going to do and this is how it's going to work, it would have been different. And then I think the cherry on the top for me was the way that that this, this strategic equity partner was identified, and the fact that the, that you know under the Public Finance Management Act, um, the, the finance minister has to be involved, has to sign off on any on any sale of any state-owned asset, and and they, the Treasury were completely cut out of that process and learnt about it at the same time as any other member of the family of of the of the the cabinet. So. So for me, it was it was you know it it wasn't it wasn't done um, in the way you would ex- you would hope and expect that our government works and our cabinet works and mm-hmm. and the care they take to look after public finances. Uh, so, Carol, there, there are two things that I want us to explore, and and we'll get to the second part of the SAA equity partner. But just the the first issue of how you know crises were created at any given point to take money out of the fiscus as in the form of bailouts for SAA, and you've done the maths very well, so to calculate how much money has been taken to SAA and which are the government services that have had to be cut you, that have that have that have had to be cut in order to be able to do that exactly so so when um, you know initially uh, when when SAA was put into business rescue the agreement was that you know that, that 4 billion from the fiscus 2 billion from commercial banks 2 billion from the business from the fiscus and obviously that 2 billion to the banks would have to be repaid so 4 billion from the fiscus would would be would be needed for this process before you know before even a month was up that had gone up to to 5 and a half billion and and then when when the business rescue process was finally uh, resolved or done there was another 10.5 billion that was needed and once again that was not something that was discussed you know throughout all the processes 
of, um, of, 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 of the cabinet budget committees. What happened was we're at the very final, final um, last minute in September when, when the business rescue practitioners called time and said, you know, we're going to have to put this into liquidation. Um, it was then that Praveen Gordon went to the president and they decided, okay, this has got to be this 10.5. And cabinet did agree on it. Yes, they did. But but obviously it was it was something that had to be done at the expense of every other department. So so higher education lost lost money. Prisons, you know, correctional services lost money. Um, even basic education lost, you know, had had their budget cut. And this is in a context where the budget was already incredibly tight because of the the fiscal kind of situation we're in. So it wasn't. It wasn't as if this was a carefully planned and thought out thing. In fact, it it, it quite the opposite. Mm. Carol, we're going to continue our conversation in a moment. It's nine thirty. Luanda Maume is standing by with the latest news headlines. Talking point with Kathy Motlasana. Weekdays, nine a.m. till midday. We continue the conversation on the talking point, the number to use to get in touch with us this morning, uh, 011-714-2006. And I'll be taking your calls on that line. We're in conversation with the editor-at-large for the Business Day, Carol Payton. Uh, she's talking about her own reflections in terms of how funding has been given to SAA over the years and the ways in which uh, she describes Minister Pravin Gordon as having bypassed process and effectively manipulating the Treasury in order to give these bailouts to SAA. So, so Carol, one of the things that I was reflecting on just having read your piece is we have so many SOEs that are struggling, that are at the brink of, of collapse. What makes SAA so special that the minister would have taken these steps. So why is it that there is this extraordinary response to SAA when we don't see it anywhere else? You know, it's very puzzling because um, obviously there is an economic argument and that's the argument that the, that the minister has put forward to say, well, we need an aviation industry and without SAA, we, you know, we, we, we undermine the aviation industry, you know, this kind of ancillary parts of this industry. And, and that's true, but that's true for any industry. You know, government, you know, it's true for, you, government can't invest in every industry just to provide some, you know, to, 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 to boost it a bit. So, um, I don't, I don't buy that argument. Um, uh, so it's puzzling because, you know, when you look at Danelle, for instance, mm-hmm. you know, they, Danelle was a world class company and Danelle is dying. And, and yet Danelle didn't need anything near as much money as, as, as has been put into, to SAA. And yet, uh, for some reason, um, money hasn't gone the way of Danelle, which I think everyone agreed was a company that could be saved. Um, but it's gone to SAA, which, which many people, uh, thought actually is a bit of a, a black hole. So, um, this is not to say, just by the way, just to clarify, I mean, I don't think SAA will, I think it could succeed still in its new form, but it's a very, very different project. And, and, and yes, it will be good if it does. But it is a question always of, of, of trade-offs and choices. So if you're going to spend, you know, 69 billion or whatever it is in the, over 20 years on, on SAA, is that money well spent or could you have spent that money somewhere else for better benefits? 
Let's talk about the latest deal that you also touch on. And basically, you are saying that in the finalization of this deal, a Treasury has been kept out of the loop uh, and, in fact, also bypassing some of the rules of the PFMA. That's exactly right. So, um, so in order for any, if any state-owned enterprise is going to be sold or it's going to conclude any sort of major contract with, 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 with um, any other company, um, then it, it, it has to, there's a section 54 of the, of the PFMA comes into effect and that can't happen without the input of the finance minister. The finance minister has to sign off on it. Now, I know that, um, Provin Gordon, who, who just put out a statement this morning clarifying his, clarifying the role. I know he will say that, well, you know, we haven't got to the point of, of signing, um, of signing this deal. And so, so we, we didn't jump the gun. We didn't cut the Treasury out. But I completely disagree with that. You know, you can't, the Treasury's role would not be something that is, you know, at the last minute, please come in here and sign on the dotted line. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. Treasury's role would be something, to, you know, to get involved in the due diligence and in the negotiations with the consortium um, from the get-go. And that has not happened. And I think that that's, that that's problematic. It's problematic not only from the point of view of the transaction, but it's also problematic from the point of view is, is this the way the cabinet operates now? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, can we can can all cabinet ministers go off and and <laughs> announce deals and and, and, then and come that, back and say, oh, I'm still coming <laughs> exactly. to Exactly, and 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 that's precisely you know the next point you're bringing me to, Carol, because the question is. Are there other ministers who've managed to get away with doing this? And does this, does that mean that if there aren't any, that we could have more that can do things like this and get away with it and have Treasury just simply sit by and watch? Yeah, well, it, look, I mean, it could well happen. I think I think Praveen Gordon is, is very is exceptional in his in his, his his skills. And I think he's also had the ear of the president, which has helped. Which has helped enormously. So, um, so I don't think anyone could just pull this this off. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, imagine if they did. You know, I mean, I think Fikile uh, Mbulula said um, last year, "Oh, he's going to in the next year's budget. He's going to provide the taxi industry with a subsidy." Now, um, how is that going to work? Or, or, or the minister of of um, social development saying, "Oh, well, we I've decided we're going to have a." A, a, a basic income grant. You know, these are all things that would be nice. They would all be good. They would be great. But but are they really affordable? Mm, all right. Carol, before I let you go, I've got Sebastian uh, from Cape Town on the line. He's called in specifically to ask you a question. Uh, Sebastian, good morning to you. You and to Carol, and I'd be most grateful if Carol could possibly comment on the following. One of the speakers that this program uh, has had on uh, air in uh, the last week or so, who, uh, if I remember correctly, was from one of the unions, has alleged that SAA was being looted by, on its supplier contracts, and this was one of the main reasons for its insolvency. Um, and if I also remember correctly, the allegation also was that the looting continued while uh, SAA was in liquidation. Um, I personally, you know, cannot 
comment on the veracity of of these alleged allegations, but I wonder if uh, Carol, with her, who's investigated SA, could possibly um, take them further or p- pass some comment, please. All right, okay. And and Carol, I think also a, a lot of it having to do with the evergreen contracts that SAA had entered into and the inability to actually bring the, 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 the majority of these contracts to some kind of conclusion. Right. No, no it's exact. I think it's completely spot on that, that the contracts that were in place um, with, which was what led to SAA's demise, were, were, were thoroughly corrupt and were costing the airline so much money that it actually just couldn't, it couldn't make any money. And, um, and so I think that's, that's completely true. I think once the airline went into liquidation, um, well, not liquidation, business rescue, once it went into business rescue, coronavirus also hit at that time. So there weren't, a, there wasn't a lot of operations happening. So, I don't think, you know, I'm not too sure as to whether to the extent to which um, those contracts continue to run and for how long, because SAA was just actually not not operating. Um, but, but you know, there's an interesting parallel with, with ESCOM. If you look at what, um, what Andre Dureta has done since he, since he came to ESCOM, you know, uncovered these, these contracts, which where there was massive, massive overcharging. And you start to, to understand why uh, these state-owned entities were just running at such a huge loss. Um, businesses, you know, selling electricity, having a monopoly to sell electricity, electricity is something everybody needs. Um, you should be making money. Um, and, yet, and yet they weren't because they were being so badly All right. Carol, let me thank you so much for your time this morning. Carol Payton, editor at large for the Business Day. What do you make of that? Uh, So the possibility, this idea that, you know, ministers could, uh, you know, go around and effectively implement whatever deals that they wanted and managed to get away with it. I, th- I think at the core of the issue here is the bypassing of Treasury regulations and not having any kind of recourse or consequence uh, for that or even there seeming to be a problem with that. That's the broader issue that Carol is really pointing us to. So I'll continue to take your calls on 011-714-2006. Uh, uh, let me take a quick break. Siabonga and Soweto, I'm, b- I'm back with you first after this.